Uh, hi, this is Don Marrero. Yes, you're listening to PF's Tape Recorder. Listen up, kids. Hello there, I'm PF. This is my tape recorder. Coming up, comedian Mikey Winfield. Last night, I shot a Netflix special with Brad Paisley. So we spoke to Steve Byrne last week, and Mikey Winfield this week. Actually, I conducted the interviews almost back-to-back. I conducted them on the same afternoon, and it turns out they were both down in Nashville at that big Wild West Comedy Festival uh, that Who's the Guy Off of Swingers that, uh, that, that puts that show together, uh, Vince Vaughn. And so they were both in, were been performing down there. So kind of interesting we got them both back-to-back because they'll both be performing in uh, Minneapolis. Well, Steve Byrne just did. Mikey Winfield will be. And uh, so we'll hear more from Mikey in just a little bit. Uh, we have a dumb bit. Uh, not really a bit so much so much of commentary about Mayim Balik off of the Big Bang Theory, uh, talking about how we should not refer to women as girls, so we'll get to that in a second. Song of the Week is going to be from Ray Davies of the Kinks, I guess formerly of the Kinks, maybe still of the Kinks, that's still to be determined. So we'll hear that at the end of the show, but let's get to that dumb bit. So Mayim Balik off of Big Bang Theory, and if you're from the 80s, you may know her better as Blossom, as in a very special episode of Blossom coming up on NBC. Uh, took to the internet a couple of weeks ago, and we tried to get to this a couple of weeks ago, but, you know, things kind of came up. And, well, the internet got mad at her well, because she said this. Sorry, folks. I have to do this. We have to stop calling women girls. Why? Because it matters what we call people. Language matters. Words have meaning. And the way we use words changes the way we frame things in our mind. Google Sapper Wharf, if you don't believe me. It's science. So when we use words to describe adult women that are typically used to describe children, it changes the way we view women, even unconsciously, so that we don't equate them with adult men. In fact, it implies that they're inferior to men. Even if that's not what most people intend, words have an impact on our unconscious. Case in point, You would never say to someone, go ask that boy behind the bank counter if the notary's here today. We never call men boys because it's demeaning and emasculating. And the thing we need to start doing as women, and for those of you out there who may not be women, but who know and love women, is to consistently, gently, kindly, and politely correct people when they call women girls. And who knows, maybe if we start using language that elevates women and doesn't equate them with sweet, small, cuddly, tender things, we'll start treating them as more than that as well. This did not go over very well with a lot of the internet. Even progressives got really upset with uh, Miss Balick. Of course, it was just dudes, <laughs> I should remind you. I didn't see any women get upset about this. But anyway, um, I agree with about 95% of this. The one thing that I didn't quite agree with was this. You would never say to someone, go ask that boy behind the bank counter if the notary's here today. We never call men boys. 
Well, that's absolutely not true. In fact, just tonight, uh, I'm down here at a conference in Orlando, Florida, and some of my colleagues are going out to the truck to get some supplies that we'd gotten from Walmart, and I said, I'm going to go help those boys out, not even realizing that I was going to put this bit together uh, later in the evening. And uh, more troublingly, that's even a word, uh, more troublingly is uh, when it's used like this. You can yell all you want about fix the public schools. Yeah, I hear you, boy. I hear you. That's former New Jersey governor and professional bully Chris Christie addressing an African-American gentleman at a town hall meeting in the Garden State in regards to education. Now, he kind of says it like, boy, do I hear you, but it kind of sounds like he calls him boy. And when you call black folks boy, that is not the same thing as when you say, hey, it's boys' night out or something like that. Now, again, to Ms. Balick's point, though, here's the difference. Unfortunately, even though we're technically outnumbered, it's a man's world and has been throughout history. So when you say, you know, it's it's a boys' night out, you know, it has kind of that good fella, you know, it's, it's old boys' network kind of thing, has more of a, uh, a serious and mature feeling to it as to when you say girls' night out. Just think about it in your head, honestly. It does sound a little bit, you know, uh, diminishing and a bit disrespectful and kind of like you're treating them like, you know, lesser delicate creatures. And again, she brings up a point, too, that, you know, English words mean something. And a lot of times, you know, there's this argument, you know, especially with people saying about this PC culture. Well, you know, it's, it's just, just words. Words can't hurt you. Well, they can and they can't. She does have a point. Words have a meaning. And to that point, and, and Fangirl and I discussed this because I told her about this and she had some opinions on it. But uh, to that point... English, even though it doesn't seem like it at times, because we don't have an Académie de Française like the French do, where you know the people monitoring the language for its proper use, uh, like the French do, English is still a very precise language. And a lot of times, when you're writing something, yeah, you don't want to use the same word twice. But Strunk and White teach us that you know actually it's okay to use the same word because if that's the word you're looking for. That's the word. In other words, if you're saying, like, hey, what's another word for um, attractive? There really isn't one. Attractive is attractive. Pretty is different than attractive. You know, English has, most English words have a very precise meaning. Very rarely do two words mean exactly the same thing. So, yeah, girl and women and ladies all may mean the same thing. But, you know, women is more of a generic term. Ladies, you think more of, you know, uh, grown-up women, women in a, a, you know, of, of a certain class or sophistication. Girls are women below the age of 18. Same thing with, you know, guys, boys, dudes, men, all that stuff. So I think she has a point there, and I think it was very unfair for the, uh, the Internet to get upset with her. Of course, it's not surprising because the Internet, just like everything else, is pretty much an old boys' network.
Mikey Winfield is a stand-up comedian originally from Baltimore, Maryland, but he got his start in comedy in Sacramento, California. He's done all kinds of great things since then. He's been in a movie recently, which he'll talk to us about. Here now is our interview with Mikey Winfield. Tennessee. I just spoke to Steve Byrne, who was in Nashville, Tennessee, doing some kind of Wild West show with um, Vince Vaughn and that lot. Were you mixed up in that? Yeah, I saw I saw Steve Byrne getting off his van as I was headed to my show. We didn't perform on the same stage, but we were at the same festival. Wow. Okay. Now that's what a quinky dink, as they say. Yeah. Right. Man. <laughs> well, cool. So, where are you at right now? Where you said you were checking into your hotel. So this is odd. I literally, I'm doing a one-night fundraiser in Minneapolis. Oh, okay. Oh, yeah. Right. Okay, you have, um, yeah, a lot of people do those um, do those shows. Okay, well, that's also another coincidence. Pretty cool. Yeah, it pops in, you know, and this is excellent promo for me to be on stage before my week in a couple weeks here, you know? Yeah, well, that'll be cool. It gets, uh, gets some more butts in the seats. Uh, right. Cool. Well, uh, what else have you been up to? It's been about a year since we spoke, so... No, probably two. Uh, yeah, you know what? You may be right, because I think I was still working from home then. I remember calling you... Yeah, the... I think, think it's been about two, so yeah, I got a couple things in the burner now. I, uh, I shot a movie with the rapper DMX and Kiki Palmer, and uh, we shot it last summer, and my role in the movie is... Uh, Like, it's a drama. So I'm like, it's not like some silly stuff. It's like a real movie that has tears and emotions. And it was fun because I, I got to actually see a viewing of it about a month ago, I'd say. And I like how it was portrayed in the film. It's great. It's like a a leading role. So how, did they come to you for that or did you just try out for it? Or how did that come together? What happened is I auditioned for one thing, and the casting director liked me in that audition, and she recommended me and got me the audition for the movie, and then they happened to also like me, and that worked. And that just goes to show you that you have to kill it at everything, because it may not lead to the opportunity you're there for, it might open up some other door, and that's exactly what happened for me. Yeah. Well, that happens in, in all kinds of walks. Like, they say when you're looking for a job, you know, they say you may interview for one thing, and they'll say, well, we don't, you know, we're not going to hire for this, but we do have this other thing you might be better for. So Yeah, that's that, exactly it. That, that's good advice. Uh, so, Ed, I can't remember, had you had a lot of acting experience before, or is it something you kind of came to after comedy? I don't remember. You know, I, I did little stunts, like on The Office and, Oh, that's right. You know, Right, an acting role here and there where I'll just pop up on something. But that was mainly it. So this is like my biggest role. And I love it. As much as I love comedy, I love that I'm performing in a drama. It just gives it a, a lot more, um, find the word for me. I'm looking for like, it like legitimizes me in the acting world. Yeah. So, pretty exciting. 
were you uh, nervous to do drama? Because I know people that come from drama and do comedy, I always say, oh, wow, comedy is really scary. But I guess, with, is the reverse also scary? Because, you you know, doing stand-up and, you know, being on The Office here and there, I think that was a scary doing drama and trying to muster that up? I think the scary part was just the fact that it wasn't familiar territory for me. You know, otherwise, I over-prepared and I worked on it, and the director, she was amazing, and she just put me at ease so I could literally just perform. And that's all it felt like. I was just performing scenes. So how long did you spend shooting that? A month. A month in the Bronx in New York. Oh, wow. So I guess you still got... Yeah, it was... Right. <laughs> did you still get to, like, run and do shows and stuff at night, or was it a pretty full day? Well, no, I could, but I was exhausted. Y'all bet. I was, like, soaking up game, too, so I would stay on set even when uh, I didn't have scenes and just kind of pick up on stuff and see how, you know, things are done. So I spent all of the time. I may have done one set the entire month. And did you feel rusty after you finally got back into it full-time? or were you Oh, just... yeah. When I came back to comedy, definitely. Definitely the rust was there, you know. So uh, what else you up to? You said you had a lot of things on the burner, oh. plural. What? Last night, I shot a Netflix special with Brad Paisley. Oh, wow. Yeah, it's crazy. And people were like, what? Brad Paisley? <laughs> and yes, it was a, um, it's already sold to Netflix. It was myself and four other comedians that are, I, I don't even want to call them up and coming because I feel like everyone knows them all, you know? Like John Reap, uh, yeah. John Heffern. Yeah. You know, past winners of Last Comic Standard, Sarah Tiana and Nate Bargassi. Right, right, and all those people. I think they've all been on yeah. the show, yeah. And I've spoken to and, all of them. Yeah, we had a great show. We shot two, we recorded two, and they're going to edit it down to however long they edit specials. Yeah. And, uh, wow, that was just exciting. So how does Brad Paisley fit into this? Yeah, that's crazy. So he, he writes some funny songs. Oh, I didn't so know. So what he did last year at the same Wild West Festival is he had, uh, you know, four, a few comedians on. And when I found out, I had it like a week. I think it was a week, and they were like, all right, Mike, we're going to put you on the show. I decided to start listening to his music, <laughs> and I wrote a song about, I mean, a joke about one of his songs. And I performed it for him at the at the show, and it was like two sold out shows last year, and he loved it. <laughs> That's cool. So what, loved it. So what's the special like? Is it is he he sing? It's kind of like a variety show. He sings or no? Something? So in a way, if he'll open up with some music, but the music is all comedy songs. Okay. And then he'll introduce comics. And then we'll come up and banter, you know, and uh, and then, you know, he'll go in between and maybe do another funny song or set up another funny introduction. And then we just did it and it was stand-up. We all did stand-up. Wow. That sounds really... He just happened to have a guitar. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That sounds really cool. When what, When's that going to be available, do you know? I think August. It's... August on Netflix is what I was told yesterday. And uh, that could change, but that's what they said yesterday. Wow, that's cool. So what else have you been up to? In June, I'm going to shoot my own hour. And where are you going to I'm shoot? I'm recording my own hour 
to set to Netflix. Okay. And this Brad Paisley thing couldn't have came at a better time, you know? So, so I'm shooting my own hour, and I'm shooting it in Sacramento. Okay. And you're from there, right? Well, I'm from Baltimore, Maryland, but Sacramento is like my comedy home. That's where I started saying that. That's where I've been the longest. Okay. Yeah, I thought I thought there was a, a Sacramento tie in there somewhere. Yeah. Yeah. So, oh, very excited to do that because I don't have a special. You right. Know? So I just decided, you know, like I want to play in this game. This is, you know, I'm an artist. I want to drop art. I want to put out something so I can just be done with a lot of this material. Yeah. And and I feel like people need to know me on the hour scale of comedy. A lot of people know me from the five minutes here and the five minutes there, even the ten minutes I just did on Netflix. Yeah. But they don't know the hour, and the hour is what tells my story. And I think that's the door opener for me. That's how I, I get into people's homes when they see my hour. Yeah, I think it was... Um... The first or second time we talked, you were, you were, I asked you about doing a special, and you were like, oh, I'm not sure if I have a, enough stuff yet. And then you said just when you think you had enough stuff, you're like, no, nah, I could probably come up with more stuff. And it was kind of like, oh, yeah. I was waiting to pull the trigger on that. But now the time has finally come. Yeah, and I, I, feel, I feel ready. And it's not like I lack content now. It's not like it's all about, like, it only makes sense. Well, yeah. I have some things to say. I have it detailed out and I like where I am as a performer because you keep growing and I'll probably continue to grow if I keep working but well, sure. I do like where I'm at right now so when you say people get to know your story is it going to kind of be a, a, a biographical thing or just sort of you know more a collection of just things that indicate to people who you are and what, what Mikey Winfield I think my stand up is somewhere in the one man show category. You know, it's a bit faster paced than any typical one man show, but I, I it's very personal. Okay. And so what like what kind of things are you talking about? Like childhood stuff or uh Oh yeah, I'm talking childhood stuff. I'm a lot of my current situation, a lot of parenting, um a lot of like the past job that kind of has um, impacted how I am today. And what was the past job? I I don't remember. One one of them, the main one that really shaped me, I think, is the grocery store in the terrible neighborhood. <laughs> oh yeah, and uh, just kind of re refresh uh, people's memories. What? Why was that so impactful? You know, because. You know, you end up in situations, and then you find yourself like, oh, man, I want to do what I really want to do in life, but now I have a family to support. So now I, I, I rely on this job, but I hate it because it's just not what I feel like I'm supposed to do. And I hated it, and I just wasn't happy in that situation, but I had to be there for so many years and there's something else I could have did I tried doing other things like I tried selling vacuum cleaners I did substitute teaching like I did a number of other things but I had to stay there 
and that feeling you get, I feel when you're working somewhere that is not healthy for you for so long, it takes a toll. Yeah. And you you think that's kind of been internalized in your comedy even to this day, kind of looking back? Oh yeah, yeah. I mean, in 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 a positive way, I feel like it connects me to humanity, like to an everyday guy who's just somewhere and he just decided, you know, I just support my family. That's all I do. That's what work is about. Yeah. Like I I get that guy. I know it, and then I know about the dreamer. The guys that are just like, man, forget it. I'm just going for it, you know. And I, I see those guys too. And I'm a cross between those worlds because I have children, and I have that that need inside that I have to do something that moves me. Yeah. So how'd you finally break out of that rut? Was it? You know, it I mean, it must have been pretty scary. A lot of people just are, you know, like you're saying. They gotta support their family, and they're scared that you know if they make that leap, that it's not only gonna impact them, but it's also gonna negatively affect the family. Man, you know, this is—I can give you an exact example, but I'll start off by saying, God, because I was working so hard, and I was thinking of that all the time. I was just focusing on get out of this. Come on, work hard, and you'll see results. And I just kept yeah. saying that, and I kept working, and I kept working. And then I landed, the, the difference maker is when I landed some colleges, and it only made sense. I, my first showcase for a college, something, I booked 42 schools, and I couldn't work. I couldn't work the day job anymore because I would not have been able to make the college appearances, which by far paid way more. Well, yeah. Than the, than the, you know, grocery store. So with that, it was like the decision was made. I didn't even have to, it didn't feel like that leap, like, oh, I don't know what to do. It was like, that was my only choice. So, and this is kind of a strange question, but I find myself doing, because I used to work in um, in uh, the Cincinnati airport for years and years. I loved it, by the way. It was a, it was a great job. But, um, and uh, delivered pizza was another really fun job. And do you ever, like, when you, interact with people still in those vocations do you kind of treat them maybe a little differently than people because because you, you've been in that exact spot or is it just the the working man in general that you can relate to you know i just think it's the working man in general when i see him like i have no judgment you know because again they're they're not necessarily my situation they may love it so it's not my place to like insert opinion or feeling i just kind of go in and i just I have memories. It's almost like a yeah. reminiscence period, you know? Do you ever find yourself kind of being the hero of sorts? Because I remember I was in this store, I was in TJ Maxx one time, and I was trying to return something, and the lady ahead of me is returning something, and they're making her fill out all this information. And she's getting a little frustrated with them, and she's saying, don't, don't you trust me? I'm an honest person. I just, I'm just returning this. And I said, ma'am, if, if I may, it's not that they don't trust you. It's TJ Maxx doesn't trust them. And they both smiled and nodded. That's exactly it. Because they think they TJ Maxx is afraid they're stealing and they're, they're going to make all this up. She goes, oh, I understand. Then she was real cool about it, filled out everything they needed, and I felt like I did a good deed for everybody. <laughs> right. And, you know, there is a, a lot of time there's a bigger picture involved in stuff, and it's just like, yeah. okay, and people, and there's people, a policy. You right. Know, it's not 
Don't, don't, what is it? Don't uh, kill the messenger. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. And I had a guy, when I was working at the music store, uh, he was writing a check, and uh, a, a black guy thought I was asking for his license because he was black. I'm like, dude, if my district manager comes in here and my mom's check is in there, if that if her driver's license number isn't on there, he'll write me up because that's just the rule. And I still yeah. don't, think he, I don't think he believed me still, but I'm like, trust me, that's what's going to happen because he comes in here every other day and does that. <laughs> so. Right. Yeah. Right. So, well, cool, man. Uh, so you'll be back in see in Minneapolis in two weeks, by my reckoning, and then um. Yeah, yeah, it's May second through the sixth. Yeah, and then um. And um, I know yeah. you've, you've been in Cincinnati fairly recently because I remember I recycled one of our old interviews for one of your that appearances. That was a, um, I was near. I was in Liberty Township. Right, and yeah, that's that's still considered. We cover that one. We don't cover the one in Dayton, which is actually another. 15 oh, minutes okay. up the road okay. which is weird yeah they have three of them here now between Dayton and Cincinnati the one on the river is closed but I guess they're renovating it and they're going to reopen oh, it okay. in the fall so yeah so well cool man um, and when you're back in town we can recycle it for that as well and um, well great uh, continued success man can't wait to see all the specials the hour and the, the thing with Brad Paisley and a lot of fun stuff it sounds like hey good deal yeah thank you alright Mike good talking to you alright you yeah, too bye bye Thanks again to Mikey Winfield for being on the show. You can catch Mikey in Minneapolis, as we were discussing. He is at the House of Comedy, Tuesday, May 2nd through Saturday. What is that? May the 6th. So do check him out if you're in the Minneapolis area. For all other dates, although he hasn't updated his website, go to uh, Mikey Winfield's website, which is officially MikeEWinfield.com. And that's Mike, the letter E, Winfield. And that's all one word. It's not Mikey as in Mikey, M-I-K-E-Y. It's Mike E. Winfield. Uh, MikeyWinfield.com, simple as that. All right, so uh, weird thing happened this week. I just want to talk to you about real quick. Um, the audio sounds okay on this episode because I'm using my um, expensive uh, headset microphone. However, for my birthday, uh, my lovely wife bestowed on me a Yeti microphone, real nice one. And I was shocked because she hates the podcast. She hates that I do a podcast. And I was joking with Fangirl and producer Lizzie that I should call this the Dissident Podcast because I have to do it in secret in my spare time. But uh, she got me a nice microphone. Going to see if I can squeeze a mixer out of her with the rest of my birthday money that I received. And uh, then things will be looking up. I mean, the phone interviews, we got to get that sorted. But um, at least as far as doing interviews in studio, uh, they'll sound a lot better. And maybe I can do some more live stuff because this microphone is actually designed so two people can talk into it. And you don't have to worry about you know mixing and things like that. And it sounds gorgeous. I've used that kind of microphone before, and it's uh, it's going to be great. So that takes us to what the song of the week. Song of the week is from Ray Davies of the Kinks. He has a new solo album out, and it just came out I think last week. It is called Americana. Now he had a single come out in January called Poetry. There is a new single called The Great Highway. I'm not crazy about either one of those. And if you want a detailed uh, review of the album. I believe our friend Pat Francis over at Rock Solid and a colleague of mine at the Pop Culture Beast website wrote a review of the new Ray Davies album, so you can check that out. He's not as keen on it as he is some of the other Ray Davies solo stuff, but um, I like the opening track, which is the title track, Americana. I think this should have been a single, I told Pat that as well, and I think you will enjoy it too. Uh, it is very kind of Ray Davies, you know, you know, coming to grips with, uh, you know, having, you know, a, uh, I guess a following in the United States and in Great 
Great Britain, where he, you know, is primarily where most of his following is and has been dedicated over the years and kind of, you know, he spent a lot of time in America. And I think this is a really a nice tune. So this is our track of the week, Americana by Ray Davies, PF's tape recorder. So long and thanks for listening. I wanna make my home where the buffalo roam in that great panorama. My baby brother and me in the land of the free. I was a teen.